What's going on, 9 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you're joining us today for week two of Rattle. Before we kind of dive in, can we give a big hand to all of our online family that's watching with us, man? We love you guys. We miss you guys. Uh, can't wait for you to be back with us. In fact, there's some people that came back. They said this is the first time that they had been back since the week before COVID. And so, I mean, just people coming back every single week, and we, we love seeing you. And so, we're in this series that we started last week called Rattled, and what we're talking about is, is how do we survive when life shakes us? Like, how do we get through the moments where it seems like everything around us is, is crumbling, where things are just out of sorts, and it's, it's not if life is going to shake you, it's when life is going to shake you that we have to deal with. And so, what we're doing in this series is we're looking at the book of James, and James is one of the most practical books of the Bible, and we're just getting some, some insights and some practicality of how do we survive the shaking that happens in life. And so I, I want to start out with today and, j- and just talk about how many of you know that there are some decisions that you make in a moment that are life-altering, life-changing Decisions Like, you just thought that it was a, 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 a simple decision you were making in that moment, but the implications of that decision on the rest of your life kind of kind of change everything. I remember uh, almost 24 years ago, 23 years ago, uh, actually 24 years ago, this Thanksgiving, I was coming home uh, for a Thanksgiving break from an internship I was in. And when I came home, I went to church that weekend with my family. Afterwards, we lived on Siesta Key in the Sarasota Bradenton area. I had some friends that were coming over to go tubing with us. And, and I saw this girl walking out after church that I went to high school with. Her name was Shayla. And, and that day I made a decision to invite her to over with all of our friends and go tubing. And how many of you know that was a life-altering, life-changing decision because this Thanksgiving, 24 Thanksgivings later, she's still here with me. <laughs> You just thought it was a simple decision, but yet it was life-altering. Some of you decided, you know, I, I, I'm just going to go to this college. You thought it was just, I'm just going to go to school. And what you failed to realize is that making that decision, you were going to develop some relationships that were going to stick with you for the rest of your life. And it was a life-altering decision. Who you marry is one of those big, monumental decisions that's going to shape the rest of your life. Where you work can be one of those life-altering, life-shaping decisions because it's where you work that may push you further ahead into a career that you never planned for. Where you move to, how many of you guys have moved into a neighborhood and found a friend that you would have never met had you not moved to that neighborhood that has been like your ride or die for the rest of your life? A life-altering decision that you weren't even planning for it, but it just shaped so many other aspects of your life. And here's what I know is in these destiny, life-altering decisions, most of the time we don't realize when we're making that decision that it's gonna be a life-changing decision. Like, when we moved into that neighborhood, you weren't thinking, man, this is gonna change the rest of my life. You were just thinking, I want out of an apartment, right? Like, when you chose that college, you chose it because all of your other friends and people were going there. You had no idea that it was going to propel you into a different direction for the rest of your life. You just thought she was hot. (laughs) You had no idea the impact she was going to make 
on the rest of your life. You just wanted a date that night. And so many times, those little decisions shape our destiny in life. And I want to give you a question today that I think is a question that is a life-altering, life-shaping, life-defining question for all of us. And I think James is going to give us some insight into this question. And you might not see it right now. You might not even really comprehend why it's so life-altering in the moment. But the way that you answer this question is gonna determine so much about the God factor in your life. I believe it's gonna factor into the level of blessing that you're gonna experience in your life. It's gonna factor into the level of fulfillment that you experience in your life. And the, the question that I wanna give you if you're taking notes today, if you wanna go ahead and take those notes out and get ready to write that down, and if you're not taking notes today, I wanna encourage you to take those notes out and get ready to write it down, because you're gonna need this is this, is what is the foundation on which I will build my life? Like, what is the foundation that I will build my life, not inform my life, not think about in my life, not every once in a while consider and make little adjustments in my life with? I'm talking about what is gonna be the bedrock, what is gonna be the thing that you're gonna dig a footer, that you're gonna pour the foundation of your life on? That it, it, what is the thing that is gonna shape your thinking? What is the thing that is gonna shape your behavior? What is the thing that is gonna shape who you marry and when you marry them? What is the thing that is gonna shape uh, what career path you choose? What is the thing that is gonna shape where you decide to live in your life? What is gonna be the thing that shapes you when you face a pandemic in life? What is gonna be the thing that shapes you when you face racial injustice in life? What is gonna be the thing that shapes you in your career choice? What is gonna be the thing that shapes you when, when you're deciding whether I go left or I go right at the fork in the road? I'm talking about the foundations on which we will build our lives. And whether you realize it or not, every single one of us has made this decision in life. Whether that's out of our own volition or out of just happenstance, we've all decided what is going to be the foundation of our lives. And, and I just want to come out right up front, and I just want to tell you what I believe, that all of us should be making the foundation of our lives. And the foundation of our lives, what I'd propose to you today, should be the Word of God. It should be the foundation, it should be the bedrock on which we build our life. I, I wrote it in your notes like this, you will either build your life on the world or you will build your life on the word. You'll either build your life on the world or you'll build your life on the word. There is no in-between right there. I wish I could give you an in-between. I know it sounds so extreme, it's like one or the other, but you will, you will build it on one or the other because the world is setting a standard for you. The world is, is, is telling you and communicating to you in a certain way. The world is, is giving you ideas to think about in a certain way. The, the world is presuppositioning you in a certain way. They're, they're, the world is uh, communicating what they propose to be true. And you'll either build your life on that or you'll decide, you know what, I am going to build my life on what God says is his truth and what he proposes are his principles and that will be the foundation of my life because I'm either gonna build it on the world or I'm gonna build it 
on the word. And you and I, we have a choice to make as to how we will build our lives. And what I want to pro propose to you this morning is, is, is that the enemy of our souls has been trying to get us to build our life on the world and not the word from the very beginning of time. You can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are walking and talking with God and the serpent who represents the devil comes up to them in Genesis chapter three and the first question he asks is, is did God really say? In other words, what the enemy is, is going after is the first thing he's going after is the word of God. He's going, you know what, I know that, that, that God said, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. But did, did he really say that? Does God really expect you to forgive those who offend you? Do I really have to live that way? Did God really say that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall? Did he really say I'm supposed to live with humility? Did he really say that I'm supposed to love my enemies? Did he really say that I'm supposed to do good to those who persecute me? Do I really have to live by this standard or can I live by something else? In other words, can I bend God's word to fit my feelings or do I need to, to bend my life to fit around God's word? I love what David says in Psalms 119, 81. He says, my soul is weak for waiting for you to save me, but my hope, my foundation, my solid rock is based on your word. Listen, my hope isn't in anything else. My hope isn't in my 401k. My hope is not in my career. My hope is not in the White House. My hope is not in, in, in what policymakers are gonna come up with this week. My hope is not in, in what my friends think about me. My hope is not in my education. My hope is not in my ability to accomplish things. My hope is not in my home or what I drove here in church in today or am sitting in, in my couch at home. My hope is in God's word. Everything else is fleeting in life. The flower may wither and the grass may die, but the word of the Lord, you know what it does? It stands forever. Can I just tell you something, church? Philosophers, they have come and gone, but the word of God is still standing. Politicians have come and gone, but you know what is still standing? The word of God. Governments have come and gone, but the word of God is still standing. Civilizations have come and gone, but the word of God is still standing. My hope is not built on anything that can fade away. Why would we build our lives on something that is so wishy-washy? I think that's why Jesus told the story of Matthew chapter 7 where he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. And I want to help you be a wise man or I want to help you be a wise woman who builds their life on the rock. Because when the pandemic came and this, the economic collapse came. And those people abandoned you and those other people stabbed you in the back. 
You did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. Foundation was on those who put God's word into practice in their lives. And here's what I know is why so many people's lives have been shaken. Because so many people put their hope in other things. They put their hope in their wealth. They put their hope in the fact that everybody liked them and all of a sudden everybody didn't like them. They put their hope in their job and they got laid off. And Jesus is saying there is a way that you can live that when, when the streams rise up and the winds begin to blow against you and that's beating on your life, when you build your life on the rock, you will not fall. So what I wanna do today is I wanna give you some attitudes that I think we should have towards God's word. And, and, and here's what I know is that if we'll adopt these attitudes, I believe that the attitudes that James is gonna give us, and I know some of you are like, I thought we were in the book of James. We haven't heard anything. From, you're gonna hear from him, I promise you. But if we'll adopt these attitudes, three attitudes that we should have towards God's word that I think will change and transform our lives and help set the foundation so when the world is shaking, we won't be rattled. Number one is this, we should have an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. And here's what James says in James chapter one, starting at verse 16, it says, do not be misled, my dear brothers and sisters, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming from down from us, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He cho chose to give us birth by giving us his true word. The true word there is referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It was actually referring to Jesus. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. And, and, and I think that we should have this attitude for the, of gratitude for the word of God because it's through the word of God that salvation came to us. Now, I understand that salvation comes through Christ dying on the cross and resurrecting it. And when we receive that, we experience salvation. But without the word, I would have never known that my sins separated me from God. Like, without the word of God, I would not have known that there was a savior. Without the word, I wouldn't have known that I could experience forgiveness from my past, healing from my present, and hope for my future. I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't know without the word of God that God has set a purpose before me and he has a plan for good things for my life without God's word. Listen, my faith would have never been activated without the word of God. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So without the word of God, I could not have heard what I need to hear, and if I couldn't hear what I needed to hear, I would never have had faith, and if I would have never had faith, I could have never received all that God had for me. See, this isn't just a nice little book that looks good on a coffee table or up on your bookshelf. My goal for you today is that I want you to fall in love with God's word. Like, I want you to have a relationship with the spoken, living, active word of God that wants to be moving in your life. And I want you to have a heart of gratitude because I know without the word of God, I would be directionless in life. Without the word of God, I would have been left without hope. And I thank God that when the storms of life came, I had his word to help direct me through those moments. I just found 
then when I'm going through joyous moments, man, I can go to God's word. When I'm going through pain in life, I can go to God's word. When I feel directionless in life, I can go to God's word. When I'm experiencing difficulties in life, I can go to God's word. When I'm having relational problems, I can go to God's word. When I'm having financial problems, I can go to God's word. I can go to God's word in all of those moments, and it's always there to speak to me. And I want you to fall in love with his word. I want you to, when you look at this book and you experience this book, you have an attitude of gratitude. Because it's life-changing, and it's life-altering, and it's life-shaping. Man, I'll just tell you, it was the word of God. When two years ago, we lost our foster son, Alexander, and, and, and in those moments when we were in so much pain, it wasn't that the pain went away and that there wasn't a grieving process, but I remember in the middle of that, remembering that when he was going back to his biological father, hearing God's voice say, man, I know he's going back to his biological father, but he has a heavenly father that will never leave him or forsake him. You don't have to worry about him because he is my child. So many years in pastoring this church over the 12 years that we've been pastoring it, God's word has sustained me in those moments. It's the thing that brought us here. We, we, we read the verse that the fields are white as harvest, and the, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers in the field. And we we're like, man, that's us. We're supposed to go. Gave me direction in those moments. It's God's word that let me know that only some things change through prayer and fasting just so grateful for the word because where would I be without the word? I'd be on Facebook taking polls of people's opinions. I'd be walking around asking everybody for their insight into my life and that's why some of your lives are messed up. I would be directionless but I found from God's word that it says that there is there is wisdom in the multitude of godly counselors. I, I found in God's word that it says that if I'll ask for wisdom in James 1, 5, that God is generous and will give it to me. That I don't have to go get Facebook's opinion or your opinion when I can go get God's opinion. The word has saved me from so much heartache. The word has saved me from making bad choices. It saved me from so much pain. I'm just so grateful for the word. And I want you to fall in love with God's word because it's not just a book, it's a literal breath of God breathed out for you and I. And we need to have an attitude of gratitude toward his word. Number two, we need to have an attitude of humility. An attitude of gratitude and number two, an attitude of humility. In verse 19, it says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Boy, do we need that verse right now, don't we? It's a good verse for today's society. It says, human anger does not produce righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. You see the contrast here? It says anger can't save your soul. But if you will humbly accept the word, it can save you. And here's what it takes. It takes a heart of humility. 
See, right now in the progressive circles of the church, there is this idea that is out there of deconstructing your faith. And, and, and here's what that is. It's, it says, hey, I want to take some parts of the Bible that, that I don't like how it makes me feel and that I don't want to submit to. And what I'll do is I'll twist it and make it say something that it doesn't really say. And James says right here, no, 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 that's not how it's supposed to work. We're to humbly accept and get rid of all the filth and the evil in our lives, the things that don't honor God. We aren't to twist the word to make ourselves feel good about those things. What we're to do is we're to examine our life and see those things and go, you know what? These are the things that I need to get rid of in my life, and I need to humbly accept what God says and what he wants to plant into my life. You know what that means? It means sometimes you're going to open up this book, and it's going to say things that you don't like. You know how many times I open up this book and it says things that I don't like? Basically every day. I'm just being honest. Why? Because it's, it's revealing the filth and the evil that's in my life. And I don't know about you, but I don't really like anybody pointing out the bad things in my life. I'm all about you pointing out good things. <laughs> Come on, anybody with me on that? Like I like, I like when I'm getting like accolades and that of boys. I'm not really like into correction very much. And the answer to that isn't, how do I make it say what I like? The answer is, is how do I make my life line up with what it says? And listen, I know this is old school preaching. I know you're sitting at home, you're like, man, where did this guy come from? He don't preach like this. But sometimes we gotta hear the truth. Because I'm just telling you, I'm watching so many lives right now that are falling apart that wouldn't have to fall apart if they just obey the word of God. I'm watching so many people that are going through so much pain, they, they would never have to encounter if they would just obey the word of God. I'm watching so many people suffer with heartbreak right now that it is avoidable if they would just obey the word of God. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Like if you open up this book and it like, it's like, oh man, this, I agree with everything. Like, really? <laughs> like I'm still struggling with love, love, love the person that persecutes you, you know? I don't know about you, but that's, that's not something I do real well with. I'm like, no, I need to punch the person that persecutes me in the face. Anybody else feel me on that? Am I the only one? Uh, this is church, you can admit truth here, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, because lying is a sin too. We'll, we'll deal with that a different week. a strong statement, but it's so true. You might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, you didn't think of the words as mere human ideas. God, you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. See, so many people are like, well, the Bible is written by people. But what you have to understand is that God inspired those people with his very words to write them down. And here's what it says, and this word, the words that God spoke through those people continues to work in you who believe. And here's the critical verse right here, and here's the big idea. The word only works when you work the word. The word only works when you work the word. 
Some people are like, man, I tried that, I read it, 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 it doesn't work. Like, I, I read that verse, TJ, where it says, uh, God will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you which you can't handle. Like, like I read that and nothing happened. I said, but, but I would say to you, but did you work the word? Because there's a part of that that goes before it that says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse and see if I won't open up the floodgates of heaven. See, in order for the word to work, you have to actually work the word. It says it's at work in those who believe. That's why you can look at people and go, man, it just seems like God is working in their life. The reason why is, is God is at work in those who believe. What is the evidence of your faith? The evidence of your faith is your behavior. The evidence of your faith is your actions. The evidence of your faith is your speech. It isn't just I have an intellectual understanding of what the text says, but the text has moved from my head to my heart, and now it's moving out through my speech and my actions and my life in every single way because the word is working in those who work the word. So you know what that means? The word will confront you. The word will confront an ever-changing culture. It always has. Listen, what is happening today isn't anything new. It confronted a Roman culture. It confronted a Hellenistic culture. It's confronted every culture throughout the history of time. And now that we're in the 21st century and we're looking around, we're going, man, God's word does not line up with our culture. It never has. That's why the Bible says you are a peculiar people. Like, we're to be different than everybody else. I like how Pastor Chris Hodges says it. He says, a sign of a God-changed heart is I like for God to tell me how to live. That's what the word does, is it tells me how to live. So James says, man, Anger doesn't lead to anything you want or the righteousness that God desires. So here's what you need to do. You need to get rid of the filth and the evil, and you need to humbly accept. Notice it does not say humbly agree. Sometimes you have to accept before you agree. Anybody that's married out there understands this principle. Because if you're married, there's a lot of things that you're not going to agree on. But you just have to accept some things even though you don't agree. And that's the essence of what humility is. It's what submission is. I know that this is a sermon that's full of all of our favorite words like humility and submission and surrender. But sometimes, you know what we have to do? We have to accept it before we feel it. I accept it, why? Because God said it. Like. In that moment, you know what does not matter? My opinion. You know what doesn't matter in that moment? How I feel. Like God is not looking for a listening session with me. He has spoken, and when God speaks, it's my responsibility to obey him fully and humbly in surrender. And when I do that, what happens is, is I begin to work that thing out and wrestle it out for myself. I think that's why Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because there are things that you will come up against that come up against how you feel. 
There will be things that come up against how you were raised. There will be things that you will come up against that are different than what you like. There will be things that you come up against that will be different than what the media says. But what we have to do in those moments is we have to humbly accept God's word. That's my first attitude is that, man, I, I have this attitude of gratitude. I'm thankful for the word. I love the word. The second attitude I have to have is this attitude of humility. Man, I will humbly accept the word of God. And then the third attitude we need to have is the attitude of hunger. I'm gonna have an attitude of hunger for the word of God. Like, like I'm at the table and an unbelievable bone-in ribeye shows up there and it's like, man, I'm just, I'm just gonna tear that thing up. I wanna pull up to the table of God and I wanna consume all that he has for my life because I'm hungry for him. James verse 22, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. Listen, I know some of you have gone to every Bible study known to the course of man. He says, but you must do what it says. Just because you've gone to everything doesn't mean you've actually living it out. Love your neighbor. Return the tithe. Find your purpose and serve in it. Serve the needs of the poor. Like actually do what it says. He says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it is like glancing at a mirror, at your face in a mirror. You see yourself and walk away and forget what you look like. All throughout scripture, the Bible is referred to as a mirror. And James right here is, what he's saying is he's saying like, it's like waking up in the morning after a hard night's sleep. You know, the kind of sleep where you, there was a puddle of drool on your pillow and like it was just a hard night's sleep and you walk into the, the bathroom and you flip on the light and you're like, whoa, what was that? You know, when you see yourself in the mirror and, and as you take a glance at yourself, it says the Bible reflects things in your life that are inside of you. It would be like me waking up and noticing that I've got a big old booger. And going, oh, there's a booger. And then walking away and getting dressed and coming to church here today and getting ready to preach and never addressing the booger. <laughs> what he's saying is so many of us, what we do is we glance into the mirror of God. And then we walk away and we forget what it says. Some of us, we've glanced into the mirror of God and it's confronted us on some relational things. And we walked away and we forgot what it said and we wonder why our marriage is in such a mess right now. It's confronted us on, about our generosity. We walked away and we wonder why we're not experiencing the blessing of God. We looked in the mirror and we saw the image of God that he sees in us, but we don't necessarily see in ourselves. And we go, oh, that can't be true, and we walk away. And we forget that he says that we're his son, that we're his daughter, that we are to be kings and queens, that we are to be above and not beneath. We are to be the head and not the tail. And we go, no, 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 we just dismiss that. 
us as we look at it. We forget. He says, but if you look carefully, and that word carefully is this idea of hunger. It's this idea of intensity. It's this idea of, man, I'm going to lean into this. He says, if you look carefully at the perfect law, the word of God that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. It's basically saying, man, whoever's hungry for this, whoever is going, God, man, I, I, I want to receive something from you. God, I, I want to meet with you today. What do you have to say to me? What do you want to reflect into my life here today? God, what did you say, what did you say in, in the Gospels about your son that I'm to, to live out? Man, what, what kind of wisdom do you want to give me out of Proverbs today? God, what do you want the church to look like that you just so described in the New Testament? God, give me your character and nature from the Old Testament. Show me how to be part of your people. Where we have this hunger where we're searching because we want more of God because we don't want a life that's falling apart. We want a life that's put together. We want to look carefully into your perfect law that brings freedom. That as we get in God's word and we begin to read it, what happens is God begins to read us. We go, man, I don't want to forget what this is saying. But I actually want to put it into practice in my life. And as I begin to put it into practice in my life, here's what God says. He says he will bless your life. So many people think, man, well, God's just trying to, trying to, handcuff me in life. No, no, no. God's not trying to put all kinds of rules and regulations on your life. He's trying to put some parameters so you can live a blessed life. Like God's not trying to get you up early in the morning because he's up by himself and going, you know what? Everybody else should be up because I'm up. No, no, no. He wants you to experience life and have it more abundantly. He wants you to be blessed. And here's what I know, church. If we would spend time in front of this mirror. And if we would spend more time in front of this mirror than we do the other mirrors in our life, and we would say, God, man, show me, show me what I need to see today. God, show me the areas where, where I, I, I'm not up to par. God, show me the areas where I'm crushing it in life. God, help me to see what you see in me because I don't see it in myself. Help reveal the character that I need to have in my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And as, as we start to do that, you know what will happen? It will start to change everything about your life. Here's what I know is, is I like going to balls. I'm a, I'm a shopper. And uh, the one thing that I've discovered about malls is there are mirrors everywhere. Can anybody attest to that? There's mirrors everywhere. And if you're a guy, I don't know what women do, but every time a guy walks by a mirror, we check ourselves out. Every wife knows this. If you ever walk by a mirror with your husband, he will always glance and go, mm, I look good. You're like, that's just natural for every, every husband. You don't really look intently in that moment. You just glance and you go, okay, I'm good. You know, and you just keep moving on. My hope is that that would not be like your time with God. 
that you would just glance and go, oh, I'm good, and just move on. But that we would spend some time and that we would, we would, we would look carefully into the perfect law of God that brings freedom to our lives and brings blessing to our lives. How do we do that real practically? This isn't in your notes. Number one, get a Bible. Get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I want you to know you can stop by the hub. You can, you can stop by uh, the new here tent, and we will give you a Bible. I think it's so important that you get physically into God's Word. If, if you don't have that, you can go and download the YouVersion Bible app. It's a, big, it's a big Bible app. There's all kinds of great reading plans on there. I'd encourage you to get a Bible. Number two, set a set time every single day that you're going to look into the mirror of God. That you're going to spend some time in God's Word. Put it on your calendar. Go ahead and make it a priority in your life. Number three, get a plan. Get a plan. Don't just start in the beginning. If you start in the beginning, you'll get to some weird stuff really fast. It's not really how you read this. It's a little bit different. I think the U version gives you some great plans that are out there. I would encourage you to start in the Gospels. Start in the book of James. It's very practical where you can get some practical things that you can start applying to your life. Then number four, get you a pen. That's what, and the reason I say that is because as you read the word, it's going to start to read you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to start writing that down. Just start writing down what it's saying to you because he's going to speak to you. The Bible tells us that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces even a dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of your hearts. So that God is going to read you. And I'm telling you, if you'll get into God's word and you'll look perfectly into it and and you'll allow yourself to be open with humility to what he says, man, God will bring freedom into your life. He'll bring blessing to your life. If you allow this voice to be the loudest voice in your life, I'm just telling you, when the world is shaking all around you and everything else is rattling, you will have a firm foundation that will not be shook. You'll have a firm foundation that will not rattle. Why? Because your life is built on the rock. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for your word, God. I'm so thankful for this book because it showed us our need for you. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. God has a beautiful and wonderful gift for every single one of us that he wants to give to every one of us in our life. And our, our hope doesn't have to be, I hope God accepts me, I hope God loves me. God actually wants to give you an incredible gift through the life and sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible actually says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead, then we can find salvation, that we can have eternity with heaven, that we can be reconnected to the creator of the universe who made us and, and, and formed us and gave us a purpose and a plan and a hope for the future. And maybe you're out there today and maybe you've never experienced that before. I'm not talking about rules or religion or joining a church. I'm talking about there is a God, there is a creator of the universe that wants to speak to you and he wants to know you and he wants to lead and guide and direct your lives, not just for freedom, but for blessing and for relationship. And maybe today for the first time or the first time in a long time, you need to experience that with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're watching online and you need to experience that right there in your home. I want to pray with you. If you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. If you're watching online, you can just put a little hand emoji up. We'd love to pray with you. One, two, 
Three. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yes, sir, I see you too. Thank you. Yes, ma'am, three. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, sir, four. I see you. Online, go ahead and slip your hands up. If you just pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it out loud, say, God, thank you so much for giving the most incredible gift that I could ever receive in my life, your son, Jesus Christ. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash my sins as far as the east is from the west. Cleanse me white as snow. I ask you to come into my heart. Take over my life, not just to be my savior, but to be my Lord. God, lead God and direct me all the days of my life. Give me a hunger and a passion and a humility and an attitude of gratitude for who you are and for your word. God, I pray that every day that as we follow you, God, that we would seek you through your word. 